This podcast is brought to you by Uconnect, the creator of the first all-in-one virtual career center. Scale your impact and engage more students with a platform that puts all of your career resources in one place. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Career Everywhere podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Metzger, and this week I'm excited to welcome Joe Catrino, the Executive Director of Career and Life Design at Trinity College. In this episode, I talk with Joe about how career services and higher ed can innovate and prepare students for the future of work. Joe shares what the future of work means for higher ed, how career services can embed life design into career coaching, and what it will take to make sure today's students are ready for tomorrow's workforce. Thank you for being here, Joe. Thank you, Meredith, for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Yeah, likewise. I'm really glad you're here. And I'm excited to talk to you today about life design and how we can innovate and prepare students for the future of work. So for those of you listening, Joe has worked in higher education for 20 years in admissions, career services, marketing, and even as a part-time professor. And for the last several years, he's kind of gone all in on this concept of design thinking and life design and working both of those things into career services. So he even wrote a chapter about design thinking in the 2022 textbook, Mapping the Future of Undergraduate Career Education, which I believe you can get on Amazon if you're interested. So I am really excited to have Joe on the pod today to talk about how we can use design thinking and life design to really innovate for the future of work. So before I get into the questions, Joe, is there anything else you'd like to add about yourself, your background, or your role at Trinity? No, no. It's, I'm excited to talk about all of those things you just mentioned. We are situated actually rather uniquely at Trinity as I don't just oversee career and life design. I also work really closely with our retention and transition programs and the Office of International Students and Scholars. And so we've actually developed a pretty unique structure here. So I'm looking forward to sharing a little bit more about that as well. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to hearing about it. Before I get into the more specific questions, I do want to ask you, the first question I start every interview with, and that's, what does career everywhere mean to you? Oh, what does it mean to me? I mean, it's essentially what drives the work that we do here at Trinity. To me, career everywhere is is embedding career, and in our case at Trinity, career and life design, into everything across the institution, right? So meeting students where they are. Are we partnering with faculty as best we can? Can we actually partner with parents? We see parents as partners, and that's really critical engaging alumni, engaging the administration, engaging uh, community-based organizations. So for us, it's everywhere. So as much as we can get the conversation started around career and life design, the better. So to me, career everywhere means just deeply embedding, finding partnerships, creating this common language that we can help students transition smoothly into Trinity, have them not so scared about career because (laughs) we want to engage early, but we don't want to have like, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up, right? That's overwhelming for a first year (laughs) student. They're like, I just got here. You want to talk to me about leaving here? But it's not that. It's just having those really impactful, meaningful conversations that students can make informed decisions about the path that they take, whether you know it's graduate school or job or prestigious fellowship. We just want to talk to them about how they can leverage these skills later. And so for us, if we can embed and be career everywhere, at Trinity, it's, it really helps later on for when it's like a critical time for students as they're, you know, embarking upon graduation and leaving Trinity. Right. I love that. And I 
was kind of chuckling when you were saying how it can be intimidating to get that question. Yeah. What do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> yeah. I remember getting that at high school graduation. I'm going, I don't know. I don't yeah. even know what's possible yet. <laughs> right. But that's the point. Right. And that's as we talk about life design, it's like you don't know what's possible because you're not you're not trying stuff, right? You're not putting yourself out there. Mm-hmm. And what we call like, you know, testing and prototyping, like that's design thinking process. Like we want you to get out there and try stuff because how do you make informed decisions? You experience right? things, right? <laughs> and so that's what, why we want to engage students. That's like a pillar of everything we've built within career and life design here is the pillar is early engagement. We want to engage with students early and often. So again, when it comes time to those career conversations, they've gotten to know us, we've gotten to know them but they've also gotten accustomed to trying things so that they can cross this thing off of their list. And I mean, that's how we tell students to pick a major, right? You have 41 majors, but are you really considering all 41? Don't let that 41 ma- you know, number daunt you. It's one of those things where you can go through process of elimination, cross things off, then jump into experiencing the handful of majors that are left. So you know, for us, it's absolutely like, I don't know what's out there. Well, good. Let's go try things so that you can, you can figure it out. Right. Yeah, for sure. I know when I was considering a major, I knew engineering was definitely a no-go for me. Right. So I could go ahead and cross those out. <laughs> right. That's exactly what we say. We have students come in who are like not the science mind. So as we you know talk to students, like we don't have those science-minded students, you can cross off like neuro, bio, chem, you know, and then now you're down to like humanities and social sciences. Now you can actually start to make, again, informed decisions. I, I keep going back to that. I've already kept going back to that, but it's about informed decisions and trying stuff. Do your students get terrible career advice from YouTube and TikTok? Give them access to better video content with Candid Career Plus. The YouTube of career videos, Candid Career Plus is an expansive video library with thousands of career-focused videos that cover a wide range of topics, interests, industries, advice, and more. And every video is sourced from best-in-class career content creators, including ADP List, Way Up, and many more. Learn more at goyouconnect.com slash candid career plus. Okay. So kind of on that note, I would love to dig into the life design and design thinking concepts. So for those listening who may not be as familiar, can you just give us a quick overview of what life design and design thinking mean? Sure. So this all comes out of, I mean, I've told this story a lot, and I'm sure those that might be listening to this podcast or watching this podcast, I've heard this story. So I apologize for overwhelming you with the same story, but <laughs> it all started for me in February of 2017 when my former boss came to me and said, Joe, I want you to read this book. And it was Designing Your Life, written by Bill Burnett and Dave Evans. And I don't know about you, Meredith, but you know, if your boss were to hand you a designing your life book, you start to wonder what the messages are trying to send you, right? <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> yeah. Should I be looking for a new job once I read this book? Like, what, what's the deal? But, you know, all jokes aside, so my former supervisor, mentor, friend, Angel Perez, handed me the book and said, I want you to read this. And it's amazing. So I took the book and read it. And I was like, you're right. This book is amazing. And his whole thought process was he wanted to go to Stanford. So Bill Burnett and Dave Evans are two Stanford D school faculty members. They're designers by trade. They're really in the deep parts of design thinking and designing products and technology and and essentially lives. And so they wrote this book as designers using design thinking. And so what design thinking is to many people, it's called wicked problem solving. 
or to many others, it's creative problem solving. That's what design thinking is. That's what designers do is they solve problems, something that designers are doing because they're trying to solve a problem. And what we have to remember is design thinking is a human-centered approach to solving problems. It's about the people. It's multidisciplinary. Where design thinking came from was engineers and designers, they were speaking a different language and they had to collaborate. And so it was like, we're talking about the same thing, but it's coming out different. And so they came up with this design science, this human-centered approach, which is ultimately what design thinking is. And it's a five-step process. It starts off with empathy, define, ideation, prototyping, and testing. So what that means is empathy for who you're trying to solve the problem for, right? So if I'm designing chairs for or desks for university, my people are my students, right? The people that are going to use that. So what I want to do is I want to develop empathy with them. And I want to learn about what they're experiencing with the desks or the chairs. So what we do is we want to dig in with them and, and really get to understand what the problems are. Then we define that problem. From there, once we have defined this clear-cut, deeply empathetic problem, we start to ideate. We brainstorm for what options are out there for making more comfortable or more movable desks, whatever that problem ends up being. And then we build some prototypes. And then once we build prototypes, we put out and test. And that's where we try stuff. That's how we try stuff around what the problem is we're trying to solve. So that's design thinking. And so Burnett and Evans took design thinking and said, well, we solve all these problems like in technology and furniture and video games and all that kind of stuff. And, and basically said, well, we can apply this to people designing their lives. And that's ultimately where the concept came from. And so Going back to my initial story with angels, the D school was actually for the first time putting together what they called the life design studio for higher ed professionals. And poof, we applied. I believe we were one of the first dozen schools that attended this design studio. We spent a week at Stanford learning and it's great how they do it. I really love <laughs> what the D school does because they, you sort of wear two hats. The first couple of days you're wearing the hat as a student. You're a student of life design and design thinking, and you're learning all this stuff. And then what they do is like you kind of get to that critical midpoint of the week, and they flip you to, now you're the higher ed administrator. So let's think about how you can embed this at your institution. That's, that's really what Stanford wanted to do. That's the vision of Bill Burnett and Dave Evans was they, they wanted to spread this across the country. They wanted other institutions to try this. And so that's what they did. So we went and spent the week and came back with a million ideas on how we can embed this. So that's the really long version of what design thinking is, but, and sort of how it came to Trinity. Okay. So let's talk about how you've applied it at Trinity. Yeah. So as head of career and life design, how are you applying those concepts to career services, to helping students, sure. preparing them for the future of work and so on? Yeah. So what we've really tried to do is our goal. So what happened was we came back from Stanford and had a million ideas and we just tried some stuff. We tested a lot of different things. We implemented it first in the, we have a pre-orientation for first generation college students. And so one of the first iterations of life design at Trinity was we embedded this in that orient. It's got like a pre-orientation. So it's like orientation before the real orientation. <laughs> we actually created a design day. And so what we wanted to do is we wanted students to be able to learn about life design as they start this college process where they don't have a lot of information because, again, they're the first in their, their family to go. So we kind of just did little bit, little tiny implementations of, of different design projects and different programs and services. 
But as I moved into the role of director of career development in October of 2017, I started to think a little bit more holistically about how we, at the time, were advising students. And to me, when it comes to career, I don't know that advising is the right terminology or the right process because it's sort of like you're constantly just giving the student information, they go and do it, and they come back, so you're advising them. (laughs) What I saw it as more, the vision I had was that we are coaches. We coach students. We support them along the way, but they're the ones doing the work. We want them to be proactive in their career process. And so what we wanted to do was we wanted to kind of flip this a little bit and engage students in a way where we coached them, but used life design in how we coach students. And so we spend a lot of times engaging with the student with empathy, right? So we're helping students. We're not giving them like, you might go, Meredith, and you might Google like life design activities, or you might use the book and you might see Odyssey Maps, or you might see Worldview, Workview, Lifeview, different activities. Yeah, we do use those, but it's not like you come in and meet with me as a coach. I just hand you an activity and say, go, and then bring me back the results. (laughs) It's not that. At some point, I might get to that activity with you, but what I really want to do is I want to get to know you, but I want to get to know what drives the decisions you make. And so what we do is we help students become designers. So we want them to start to think about, to be curious about what's out there, to radically collaborate with other people, like find your people, be ready to reframe at a moment's notice when things aren't going the direction you want to go. So what we've done is we've tried to embed, not tried, we've embedded in this life design co- life design into coaching. And so it drives with empathy. And then what we do is we then start to uh, define what their problems are. You know, how might I decide between history and psychology as a major? Well, right there, we've defined the problem is it's not just major. It's I'm trying torn between two things. We're able to dig in with students. And then what we do is we work with them to ideate on how they can actually figure this out to make that informed decision. So it's ideating around different things like, okay, Maybe go talk to faculty in each of those, go talk to alums, go talk to current students, take a course in each, find out what internship options are tied to each, you know, things like that. And so it doesn't sound super unique, but it's, I think it's just that beginning part of like really encourage students to get to know themselves so that like they can develop their own empathy. And then, because we get students, I mean, I think today's students are really impacted and influenced by their families. And sometimes they make decisions based on what other people want, not necessarily what they want. And so we want to challenge that a little bit. So we want students to make that informed decision for themselves, not for anyone else. And that's really where life design has, has taken off for us. And then we listen, we do the other traditional career stuff, but really what drives us at the end of the day in the career and life design center at Trinity, it's we have deeply embedded all this life design into like everything we do, right? When we go to re- when we do retention. We have design components to it so that students are, are ready for prototyping or trying stuff at Trinity as new students. International students that are coming to the States for the very first time and are going to study here for the first time. <laughs> what's that like for them? How can they design an experience for themselves as a student from Pakistan? So those are the things that we are doing as a center. And it's all built around this idea of we can help students design the lives. So we focus on the transitions into, through, and out of. And it's built on early engagement, experiential learning, and then life after Trinity. Okay. So it sounds like it's different from traditional career services in that it's more holistic. Right. It's not like you're talking about career in a vacuum. It's your career and your life and how those things fit together. Yeah. Because as we all know, they absolutely they intertwine. <laughs> yes, they do. And, and it goes back to something you pointed out that I said was when you think about students, first-year students especially, like you don't want to talk career with them. It's overwhelming. 
they're already overwhelmed. They want to get to know people. They want to fit into this new environment. They need to get their classes figured out. They might be athletes. They might be first-gen students. They might be BIPOC students who are leaving you know, a different environment to come to a, you know, a private school, whatever it is. It could be any of those things. But if we throw career at them at orientation or early on, it's just you're going to lose them. So what we try to do is we try to take a little bit of a step back and try to engage them with like, let's give you those life skills. We really focus on, Meredith, the executive functioning skills, like task initiation, Mm -hmm. planning, time management, organization, and then ultimately problem solving. And that's really where we're, we're jumping into those skills and helping students develop those skills. And then as we build a relationship with them, we can then go to those traditional, how do I find an internship? How do I apply to graduate school, whatever it is. We do the traditional career stuff, but we don't want to jump into that early on. Again, it doesn't, students aren't necessarily ready for that. Right. So with some of those skills you just mentioned, I can't remember all of them, but they seem a little more nebulous. I'm curious Mm. how you go about helping students develop those. Yeah, that's a great observation. So (laughs) we take them through different activities, right? We have conversations. We try to humanize a lot of it because sometimes students are like, They think they're the only one who's going through it, right? And so you bring them into, really, honestly, it all ties with belonging, right? Students just want to belong. They just want to fit in. They want to be a part of the community. And so what we do is like, we'll we'll have students do time management tasks. We might just give students journals and then just encourage them to plot their schedule. Like I just met with a student earlier today who didn't have the semester, I think, that they had intended. And so... I met with her. She's one of my academic advisees. And I was like, all right, let's make a schedule. So I'm meeting with her again on Tuesday. And I said, bring me a mapped out, just bring a sheet of paper with your schedule, your regular weekly schedule. And what we're going to do is we're going to plan. We're going to come up with how you're going to use your time in a strategic way, because that was her biggest issue, was she wasn't doing her schoolwork at a good time. She was not fitting it in. She was you know, not being mindful of the work that she had, then she was rushing to do things. And so what I'm going to do is I'll take her through a bunch of different activities so that she can actually pay attention to how she's using her time. So it's really like paying attention to paying attention. So through a variety of activities, through group advising, we do a lot of different events and programs for students. And that's really, we hit, we focus, there's a great design activity called energy management, not time management, energy management. Hmm. Why don't we pay attention to how we're feeling from an energy perspective, when we do certain activities, we got to pay attention to that because why are we doing things that drain our energy? Or how can we do things that drain our energy differently? So there's a lot of different ways to like map these activities out so that students can, again, focus on, we're focused on is like student satisfaction and student wellness. Like that's what it comes down to. We want to provide an experience that satisfies those two things. And that really is like through different building and finding community and connections. Like we'll bring different groups of students together so that they know you're not alone. Look at all these people here that are doing the same thing, <laughs> that are experiencing the same things. So that's really what we focused on. And I don't know if you've ever seen it, but there's like a really great illustration. So if you want to really, this really encapsulate the work, encapsulates the work that we do. And it's a graph and it's a straight line. And underneath it, it says there's an, you know, an X and a Y axis and there's a straight line kind of diagonal from the where X and Y meet. And it says like, what I planned. Okay. <laughs> then there's another illustration on the right of that. Same thing, X and Y access. It comes up from the X and Y connection, but it's a squiggly line loop de loop. And it's yep, what actually right. happened. <laughs> right. 
And so the way I define what we do in career and life design is we thrive in that chaos where the students are struggling, where the students are having a hard time. So again, like you said, we're a little bit more holistic, right? We're catching, for example, we have students who may have to take a withdrawal for a variety of reasons, whether it's something they'd planned or they're required withdrawal because of academics. We meet with them, we connect them with a coach when they return. And the big part of that, Meredith, is we want the student to come back with a plan. We want them to help them formulate a plan. There aren't a lot of schools doing that. Schools like you just come back from leaving. It's like, welcome back to X institution, (laughs) right? We're actually saying, come back and here's your coach. And that coach is going to help you be more successful because you're to go leave because of a variety of reasons. Whether it was personal, whatever the reasons were, we're able to help that student come up with a plan. I'm curious, how big is your team? If you're doing this kind of in-depth work for all of those students, I'm curious what the size of your team is. You'll be surprised. I mean, we're a small liberal arts institution. We're just under 2,200 undergrads. So I have two people in retention and transition programs. I have two people in the Office of International Students and Scholars. And then on the career and life design coaching side of things, we have about six people. I think in total with operations and marketing team, we're about about 14 people, I think 16 with a grad, we have a grad assistant, and then we have two part-time people. So about 16 total when you count those. Okay. So I say, it sounds like a lot of work to mm-hmm. do that kind of holistic coaching for so many students. It is. But again, I think what we do is sometimes they come to us and, and that's the goal is we want to be like the, either we get referred to or we refer out. And so we partner a lot with academic advisors and academic affairs. We partner a lot with the dean's office and student affairs to ensure that there's a connection between maybe something that came up in a, in a residence hall or something like that. And I think that's, again, going back to the definition of career everywhere. That's what we want. We want to be everywhere. We want people to, like, students come to us and then we can refer or we can be the referred to. So we get a lot accomplished for, uh, I think, a small, mighty team. Yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> And I imagine you're probably using some tools and technologies to kind of help scale up and absolutely and reach more students. Yeah, absolutely. I think obviously, you know, we're using Uconnect, you know, we're using Handshake and People Grove. I will say I've worked, I always make a joke, you know, I've, as you mentioned in my introduction, I've been 20 years in higher education. And I always like to say that I've done the, the Connecticut tour of duty. I've worked at University of Hartford, Quinnipiac University in Yale. But I will say the alumni community at Trinity College is just unbelievable in a way that I've never experienced in any other institution. And I'm an alum of three institutions myself. It's just a really, really committed group to maintaining the brand of Trinity College that they care so much. And we rely on that heavily. We run mentorship programs where we match students with alums for industry-specific things. We just launched a BIPOC mentorship program. We have a number of other mentorship programs in the hopper, but you know those connections are critical because those are people you've shared experiences with, right? These are people can help you again. And it's all about that empathy. It's all about designing the Trinity experience for yourself, not for anybody else, for you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, alumni are an important part of the whole career everywhere process. If you want to be everywhere, that's a huge group of people you can turn to for sure. Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. I kind of want to pivot us now towards talking about how we apply all of this for the future of work and what that means. And so I think to kind of just establish some context, like, what do you mean when you say the future of work? I feel like we all hear that phrase (laughs) a lot. So in your mind, what does that mean? Well, the future of work is here, Meredith, right? It's all stemming from disruption. There's disruption everywhere. 
you're talking about, I mean, think about artificial intelligence, machine learning, automation, technology is disrupting how we work. I mean, think about, go back to like 2019, beginning of 2020 and how we worked, right? I was on Zoom. I could probably count on one hand how many times I had been on Zoom prior to that. Now think about it. I was in an office. I wasn't, oh. Right, right. (laughs) Exactly. So my point is there's disruption happening and it's impacting how we work, what kind of work is getting done, what kind of jobs are around. Some jobs are being lost to that automation, but some are being created because of that technology and automation. And so what's happening is because of that disruption, so we're talking about technological disruption, we're talking about economic disruption, we're talking about ecological disruption and pandemic disruption. So there's this litany of disruption happening and it's impacting everything. (laughs) And so what I mean by that, really what it comes down to is, again, jobs are shifting and changing and how we work is shifting and changing. So as we think about helping students across the globe think about the future of work, it's important because jobs that our students are going to have, they don't even exist yet. So how do you prepare students for that? How do you prepare for this future of work, this disruption? Well, you focus on skills. And that's why like, I teach a course called Designing Your Future Work. So it's basically life design plus the future work, and I smash them in. And one of the things that I talk about is the value of a liberal arts education, because I think a liberal arts education really provides the skills for students to be versatile, to be ready for whatever the future of work holds for them, right? And so when you think about critical thinking and communication, those are oftentimes the skills more sought after by employers. And so I deeply believe that a liberal arts education coupled with life design skills really make Trinity students attractive to employers, but also help students navigate whatever the future of work holds them. They'll be ready to define problems. They'll be able to learn self-empathy so that they can dig in and define the problems that they have so they can ideate around those things. So to me, the future of work is here is a lot of disruptions, but students have to be ready to articulate, define, and share the skills that they have. And that's where we're working on that. Actually, we're starting to build out some tools that students can actually identify those skills. Because a lot of times students don't know how to define skills or even share the skills they have. They talk about experiences they have. But what we want them to do is we really want them to dig into the skills they've acquired in internships. Like I told you, one of the middle pillar that supports what career and life design is, is around experiential learning. Yes, we want students to go do experiences, but what are you getting out of those experiences? We have to get away from, yeah, I mean, I think a resume is a resume, but you have to be able to articulate, talk about the skills you've acquired and the skills you use on a regular basis. And then at some point, you have to assess those skills, Meredith, and you have to say, (laughs) my skills aren't what they used to be. I got to sharpen them. There's a great book written by Michelle Weiss. It's called Long Life Learning. Lifelong learning is a commitment. We have to be able to, I know some people don't like the words upskill and reskill, but that's what it is. We have to be able to reskill and upskill and adapt to the way work is changing in the fields that we're in. Okay. It was funny. I was listening to your answer and it was kind of making me reflect on my educational experience because mm. I got my degree in journalism, which I don't know if you count that as liberal arts or not, sort of, but it's aligned. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of more vocational, but also sort of liberal yeah. arts. But I was just thinking like a lot of the skills that I learned, especially critical thinking, mm-hmm communication, even storytelling has come in handy all throughout my career. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. That's what it's about. Skills are valuable. Right. You mean you talk about, there's a great piece too that Strata Education put out back in, I think the fall of 19, it was called Robot Ready. And in there, they talk about 
human skills and technical skills, <laughs> not soft and hard skills. I don't like that. I like how they define it, human skills and technical skills, because that's what they are. Those human skills of communication, of teamwork, of listening, critical thinking, those are skills that are really necessary to be successful, I think, across. And then you learn the on-the-job on technical skills. There are trainings, all of those things, all of those trainings happen in the workplace. And so if you have really good human skills and you can articulate those and you can share them and you can talk about them, you're ready for the future of work. It's funny you bring up that report because I actually worked at MZ, now Lightcast, oh, yeah. Yeah, when yeah. they partnered with Strata on that report. Yeah. So I'm very familiar. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I think Michelle Weiss wrote on that too. I believe she did. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Small world. Indeed. So I'm curious, you sort of touched on it a little bit earlier, but how does life design and design thinking, how does that play into preparing for the future of work, specifically preparing students? Yeah. Well, I, mean, I think I, yeah, I did hit on it a little bit, but when you think about when I talked about the future of work, when you asked me, I think it's important that when you get to a point in your whatever future of work is, having that ability to think like a designer is going to be critical. So you have to be able to like, again, be ready to reframe and pivot. You want to think about what's your curiosity, you know, being curious and being out there. And those are really important skills to have. But again, I think being able to go back and empathize with yourself if if the future of work isn't what you want it to be. And that's sometimes hard to do, right? You get to a certain point in your degree in your life and you're like, you know, I've been successful, but I'm not really loving what I'm doing. There's no meaning, right? And that's what Burnett and Evans talk about in the book is designing a life of meaning and purpose. And so for me, when you think about skill development and lifelong learning, also developing those skills as a designer, just keep designing the life for yourself. And so empathy, defining those problems, ideation, like that process is so important and not being afraid to like redesign. They actually, they put out a second book, which is designing your work life. And they talk a lot about specifically the world of work and how things are changing. And they wrote one, they actually have two versions of the book. There's like a pre-pandemic version and then a post-pandemic <laughs> version. And it's great for that because it talks about the disruption from the pandemic and how things have changed and how we work differently. And so having that ability to design and create opportunities for yourself is just really important. And, and I think powerful in whatever direction you go in the world of work. I'm curious, in your role as the, the head of career and life design there at Trinity, are you talking a lot with employers about this concept of the future of work, life design? And if so, I guess, what's their response been? Yeah, I mean, I think not as much as I'd like. It's hard. It's hard to talk to employers. And I think that's even in the robot ready piece, that's the rub, right? The rub is between employers and colleges. Employers don't think we're setting students up for success and not giving them the skills that they're ready for or that you need to have to be ready for the world of work. And we're saying, well, where's your responsibility to getting them trained to what you want? So again, there's like a rub there. you know. So I am talking to some employers about it. I think there's some great uh, employer partners that we have in and around the Hartford area. I think the work that we do with a lot of our alums has been important. And so they have grown appreciative of how how prepared students are when they come out of Trinity. They have reflected on that. So the response has been good, but I, you just don't talk to enough employers. It's very transactional for the right reasons, right? They need students for internships and jobs. We need to get students <laughs> internships and jobs. So it's very transactional. And so I think there's some great organizations out there like NACE, the National Association of Colleges and Employers, who does a really good job of connecting employers and, and institutions of higher education. I think there's just a lot of work to be done. There's 
got to be a lot of time and energy invested into workforce readiness and career readiness from both perspectives. And I think if we can get a lot of people in the room, it'd be, it'd be great to do that. But again, I think it's just, sometimes it's, you know, <laughs> conflicting interests to a certain extent, right? They just want to get, again, transactional, getting students jobs and internships and hiring students for jobs and internships. But the response has been pretty good. I mean, we have had, you know, employers remark about this and we do a lot of reflection, especially when we send a student out for an internship and getting their feedback on, what type of student they had in the, in the internship and what the process was like if the student was prepared. And so we really try to hone in on ensuring students are going out and using those skills in the best way they can. So what would the, I guess, ideal graduate of Trinity look like? Someone who has mm -hmm. life design, design thinking, all incorporated. What does that ideal graduate look like? Yeah, I don't think it's that. I think it's, to me, an ideal Trinity grad is someone who can go out there and knows what they want. So they know they've got that empathy, right? And they're making the informed decisions for themselves. That is first and foremost. Secondly, is a training student graduates and walks out of here being able to articulate, communicate, and be able, I guess, share the skills that they have acquired. What are those skills? What do they have? What do they bring to the table? Being able to identify, articulate, communicate, that's what I'm looking for. Like, I think that's the ideal student who understands who they are and what they bring to the table and how that education has prepared them, right? Because we talk about, I have a wonderful, this is like a true definition of a liberal arts student. We have a, an alum from the class of 20. She was an intern here in the office. She was a religious studies major, okay? She's absolutely killing it in tech sales. Huh. It's not the linear pathway you would expect. <laughs> because there is no linear path. That's the beauty That's for true. Us. Not many are. Right, but that's what we do. So that's the essence of the liberal arts. We talk, when we were just talking about this, like we don't see bridges to major. We don't want to see that, right? We want to see students focus on their skills and bring those skills to whatever they want to do. Listen, Meredith, if I go to see a nurse, I hope that that nurse has studied nursing. <laughs> if I'm going to drive over a bridge, I'm hoping to God the person who engineered it studied engineering. <laughs> right. <laughs> when I go do my taxes, I hope an accountant has studied accounting. Okay. Yes, there are natural bridges, right, from major to career. But when you look at the bulk of our majors here at Trinity, we don't want to see the bridges. We want them to look at the skills. That's what it's about. You know, and that's why, like, I, we get a little bit frustrated sometimes because students come in and they say, you know, I'm going to work in business, so I have to be an econ major. But I'm like, you know, you could go do whatever you want. I mean, I was a history major, Meredith. In my first job out of college, I was working at ESPN in advertising, right? Most people would think, oh, well, he was a communications major. But it, to us, you get into your field through experiences. So you can go and do, like she was a religious studies major, but she had a bunch of different experiences, a bunch of different internships. And that helped her, again, in, to make an informed decision maker about the path that she wanted. So that's that experiential learning. It's not just internships. It's about getting experiences outside the classroom and using the skills you learn in the classroom. That's what it's all about. In other words, designing your life. Bingo. <laughs> so Joe, why is all of this so important? And kind of what's at stake if, if higher ed or career services can't incorporate these kind of things or innovate fast enough for yeah. this future of work? I mean, we have to, we don't want to have a choice, Meredith. I mean, I think, you know, I talk about it in the chapter that I wrote in the book, Mapping the Future of uh, Undergraduate Career Education. So I wrote a chapter on design thinking in the new career center and majority of my chapter talked about innovation and the fact that 
most people wouldn't attribute innovation and higher education, a uh, higher education innovation. It is not synonymous, right? I actually say that because like my first or second sentence, but because of the pandemic and because of things that are happening out in the world, like people are becoming more and more critical of higher education and the value because of the cost. Mm-hmm. It's expensive. It's an expensive endeavor for four years. And I think that really pushes us to the forefront around career. Cause I think the number one reason for students going to college is to get a job. I think I forget the percentage, but it's up there. It's the number one reason. And so we as career individuals have to, career development individuals, we have to innovate. We have to adapt. We cannot stick to what has always worked. We have Gen Z in the classroom now. They're a different generation. They have different needs and interests. And I think we need to listen to our students and ask them what they want. We can't assume because Gen X or whatever wanted this. We can't assume Gen Z does. And so we have to be ready to be versatile, be nimble, and not be afraid to try things. And that's, I think, the beauty of the stuff that we're doing is we're trying stuff. And if I'll tell you, I had a design thinking program that I ran here that flopped, but it taught me so much about what I could do next. Now that program's in its fifth year. So we've made some different judgments and changes and listen to our students. We survey students a lot a lot. We ask students questions. We do focus groups because we're curious. We want to know what they want. And that's how we have to serve them. And we have to talk to employers more. I think that's something else we need to do. But overall, like we got to make a move. We got to save higher ed because higher ed is under under attack. And I'm not trying to be dramatic, but it's happening. And so from a career perspective, like it's important that we up our game and we start to innovate. We start to try things. I think for us, like I said, we've landed in design thinking and life design. And that's been really good for us in the community here at Trinity. And so, you know, that innovation has been good for us, but that's not where we're stopping. We're doing a lot of other things. Like I talked about, we're talking to students who are on leave. We're looking at retention data to inform some of our pre-college programs. We're building bridge programs prior to students starting in their first year. We're engaging parents in a different way, parents and families. So, We have to be willing to try things, even if it didn't work before, or if it's something we've always done, maybe it's time to innovate around that particular program. So that's, I don't have the, I don't think the answer, but I think there's some pieces in there that I think will empower some of us in in career development. Yeah, for sure. So on that note, what advice do you have for other career services leaders who want to make sure they're innovating and that they're preparing students for the future of work? Talk to your students. Don't be afraid to ask them what they want. I mean, student experience. We can't lose sight of that. We have to understand that it's about providing a really meaningful student experience that's built on student wellness and student satisfaction. Don't be afraid to try stuff, right? I mean, one of the lessons within IDEO, one of the largest design firms is fail fast to succeed often. So failure, we can't be afraid of failure. Like if it doesn't work, scrap it. Obviously, like when they talk about prototypes, they talk about like cheap, short-term little tests that you can go out there and do, don't be afraid to try some stuff, right? Don't be afraid to just prototype your way through. It'll help you become more informed about the type of student experience you want to provide for your students. Also focus on curiosity and interests for students, not just a career plan. You'll get to career eventually, which is why we talk about, I talked about this earlier, right? We Mm -hmm. talked around that early engagement. Focus on interests, focus on their curiosity not careers. Careers is overwhelming. It's heavy. You'll get to career by starting with that 
personal stuff. Love it. Well, I think that's a great place for us to kind of start wrapping up. I want to be cognizant of your time here. But Joe, is there anything else about this topic that you would like to add? No, I don't think so. I mean, I just, I think we, in career development, career services, whatever your institution calls it, is just, we got to be ready to innovate. We got to be ready to try new things. And, you know, we're partnering across, you know, we're doing a couple things with admissions, which is really fun to bring the value of Trinity degree to the forefront as students make decisions about where they'll attend. But, you know, for me, it's just get out there and try stuff. It's great advice for anyone. Yeah. (laughs) So Joe, if people want to learn more from you or connect with you, where's a good place for them to do that? LinkedIn. That's where I live. <laughs> great way to Hey, you and me on. both. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. So yeah, LinkedIn is great. All right. Good to know. So the final question at the end of every interview, I like to do this answer a question, leave a question thing. So I'll ask you a question that our last guests left for you, and then you'll leave one for the next guest. Oh, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> our last guests were Megan Baeza and Mary B. Merritt, both of the University of Texas Permian Basin, and they want to know about your career journey. So they asked, what brought you to career services? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. I frankly stumbled into career development. I was working at Quinnipiac, and as you mentioned in my introduction, I actually spent the first part of my career in higher education in admissions and was working in admissions, but I was also a part-time faculty member in the School of Communications. I was teaching media courses. And at the time, they have a decentralized approach. They have assistant deans embedded in each of the schools. And the assistant dean for the School of Communications left the institution. And they approached me and said, would you ever think about, you know, would you ever think about career development? And I was like, no. I said, (laughs) why? And they said, well, someone's leaving and we'd love for you to think about the role. I'm like, you know, I've never worked in career before. <laughs> and they said, uh, they said, no, we'd be you, you know, you've been teaching in school, the students know you, we'd love for you to think about it. And so I thought about it and poof, I did that for about almost five years. And that's how I got into career development and essentially made my way here to Trinity. Because you had those transferable skills. There it is. See? Curiosity, <laughs> resiliency. <laughs> that's right, right? <laughs> oh, I love that. That's, funny. that's a great question. Yeah. So I kind of stumbled just by it was my teaching, really, is what got me there. Okay. And a little hint of ESPN advertising mixed in there early on. Well, that too. I mean, I did a couple internships in the media industry and I started my career at ESPN. So I definitely knew, I knew the media industry and I think they saw that too as, you know, understanding the field. Well, that's always good knowledge to have. So, <laughs> so Joe, what question would you like to leave for the next guest? Oh, the next person. Okay. So I want to know, and I think we've all had this experience where we've like really worked with like a student. Like, I want to know, like, what made you know that like career was the jam for you? Like what keeps you going? Where is that like that meaning? You know, I want to know that student story because we think we all have one or some variation or or iteration of that is I want to know that student story. Like what made you do this work or what's kept you in this work? Oh, I love that. And I'm excited to hear the story. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, you'll just have to tune into that next episode. There we go. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today, Joe. This was a great conversation and I think our our listeners are going to get a ton of value from it. So thank you very much. Thanks, Meredith. This was great. I I love talking to you and and obviously I enjoy talking about this, this area. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
That's all for this episode of Career Everywhere. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, please be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next time.